Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage? Companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular We'll Play D&D show, Roll for Damage. Can you believe summer's almost over? Slipping away. Oh, well. So, so our heroes, uh, the Shields of Twilight, managed to piss someone off last week because they woke up in what was essentially a gas chamber, um, but they didn't let that stop them because they very quickly escaped this death trap using the knowledge of the ancients. Um, they discovered that they had been taken to a factory complex of some kind in Riverrun, but were not able to find out more as they were quickly captured by guards and just as quickly bailed out by Lex and Kate. So that all wrapped itself up very neatly. Um, shaken but not stirred, the party retired to the Scarlet Estate to plot their next move. Then they Descended into the sewers, gross, along with Lex, um, where they had a bad kind of roadie time, um, but did emerge victorious eventually, despite Campion dying for a minute there. But we will have a chance to talk about all of that in just a few minutes. As always, stick around at the stream for links, charities, resources, cool stuff. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. We've got two great guests today. We've got Khalil, who plays Baltaim, and we've got Tip, who plays Sinric. Thank you guys for joining us. So um, you guys got kidnapped and then had a little fun adventure in the sewers. What's the damage? I demand a redo. I don't know if fun is the apt word to describe in the sewers. Oh, silly, but... silly chill. You know, didn't smell at all. Yeah. There was no white vans. There was no promises of candy. This kidnapping yeah. was a sham. <laughs> oh, right. I really should have given you candy. Um, awesome. So uh, we'll talk about all the cool and weird things um, happening that happened last episode in a bit. But I did want to touch on a few things from like the previous two-ish episodes just because so something I'm curious about, um, Sinric is a little bit familiar um, with this country and not necessarily in a good way as we found out when everyone uh, <laughs> turned up unexpectedly in, the, in that tower. Um, so considering uh, what a hostile reception he got when he revealed his name upon entering the city, like what's the history there with um, Sinric's family in this country? 
Well, it wouldn't be like um, a history per se specifically, mm-hmm. but the fact that, you know, they're enemies. I mean, that's, that's the best way to put it. Sure. Um, I, I mean, it's it's not like I knew this person physically. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, they knew who I was physically, but I mean, you know enough of like houses and families as far as like city structures to uh, essentially know who your enemies are. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, unfortunately, those two nations are not on happy terms. It's, you know, they, they don't go out and get popcorn and watch movies together. So yeah. it's sad, really sad. Yeah. You know, we could change the face of warfare. Yeah, diplomacy would be so much easier if we all just got popcorn and watched movies. It's, it's sort so, of like, like Romeo and Juliet, where like you don't really know the family, just like the family, you know, the family name, but not necessarily know, like, oh, that's the daughter of this family. You're like, yeah, oh, your name? Oh, okay, so you must be like linked to that sort of thing. Got it. And, yeah. Yep. And it was one of those in my uh, head, the rationalization there was, um, okay, well, uh, yeah, if I get caught here, it's going to be really bad because mm-hmm. they're probably not going to be involved in like the day-to-day politics of the city. So let me just say, I have no affiliation to them. Mm-hmm. You know who I am. I'm not lying. If I, if I was a spy, would I really be that stupid as to straight up tell you? Oh, look who I'm traveling with. Um, maybe I should have <laughs> hit that. Yeah. yeah um, it'd be so. like that. <laughs> But yeah, it, it was it was something that I felt I just had to disclose considering where we mm-hmm. are and for the risk of preventing further hardship for the group down the road in the event that something like that happened to get out. At least, you know, that's a situation mm-hmm. that's now out in the open. It's not like it's a surprise. Right. So a little trouble now to avoid trouble later, essentially. It, that, that, that was the intention. Cross my fingers. Hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. Um, so was was Simric like at all concerned, like entering Riverrun, um, considering that he knew that he would probably not get warm reception if people found out who he was? Um, I mean, no warmer reception than Dash or, you know, Cage Barrow, as far as that goes. I was just trying to physically stay out of a cell with Doriana at that point. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that that was my whole intention. Well, you managed it, so I guess it worked <laughs> for now. Um, we still got now, locked up at yeah. some point. Yeah. yeah, there's there's still plenty of time to end up in a cell. Don't worry. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that, like I said, I I wasn't looking to you know roll out the red carpet or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, I, at the same token, I wasn't looking to increase hostilities between two nations just because I happened to be in a city. Mm-hmm. Got you. Um, so what is it like for your two characters and um, like specifically to be embroiled in like this weird um, political mishmash with all these different layers, which heavily involves someone you've been friends with for quite a few months now? Um, for both of them, it's just like, <clears throat> let's um, let's get through this and not um he he doesn't care like he understands like the the point of this essentially or not the point of but like the the results of this will be that whatever we do we will be making an enemy of someone mm-hmm. let's just get through this and be like whoever we become friends with be fine with that don't really care about what we're gonna make enemies regardless so pick the enemy you want to have your enemy 
and be fine with the results and consequences that come with that. He kind of doesn't really care about the whole processes. He's like, let's get through this un, mm-hmm. unabashed and is in the in the place that we're the most comfortable with. If we're comfortable with Cade, let's make sure whatever task that Cade wants us, even if Cade is lying to us, even if Cade is t- not telling us the whole truth, um, which I mean, Balsam believe he seems like an honorable man so far, everything he's seen in his actions. So he's like, if Cade is the one we want to be allied with, let's complete his test because we want to be in more relationship with him than anyone else. So if even if he's lying to us, even if he's deceiving us, what he wants is what often what he wants. So if we can help mm-hmm. assist him in what he wants, that makes us seem more um, you know, competent and credible for him and maybe can make a building relationship with that. If we want to do with someone else, let's try to get what they understand what they want and help mm-hmm. them figure out what they want. And Baltimore understands no one here is necessarily innocent or guilty per se. Everyone has a foot or a piece of like, you know, them like a finger in a pie or so to speak. Mm-hmm. Figure out which one you want to be in bed with and then sort of lie with it. That's very interesting and very pragmatic. So Baltane's almost like aggressively neutral in all these power struggles. He's just like, let's find some allies and not die. Right. I mean, that, that makes sense. That, that's how you survive. You know, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I can't say it's not too far off as far as uh, how I'm approaching or handling or digesting the situation, however you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like to navigate the politics of an issue. Um, I have in my head that sometimes it's, you have to lose like the small game in order to win the larger game. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're not playing a game necessarily of finding out who's controlling this group. Right. We might be playing a game that we're not looking at as far as choosing sides or determining mm-hmm. the fate of something much, much larger that goes on behind the scenes that we don't even get to see or be a part of. So it's one of those where similar to kind of like what Baltame said, mm-hmm. it's you have to take, you know, make your pick and hope that it was the right one at the end of the day. So both your characters are kind of okay with being pawns in a larger political game. I have no choice right now in this city. So <laughs> I'm just going along for the ride. One hundred percent, Baltimore's fine being a pawn. <laughs> Baltimore's like, that's chill. I don't need to yeah. know what we're doing. Just point me, point me in a direction. I'll do it. Yeah. But I mean, even as a soldier, you you yourself are kind of a pawn as a soldier. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, you're you're the one that gets sent out to do the fighting. So it, it's not this anything that's new. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I'm not used to the whole political side of things. I'm used to there's a problem being pointed at it. Go hit it. Right. Yeah, Sinric would have usually seen the political aspect, which tends to stay home, whereas the soldiers go to the battlefield. So it, it yeah, it's not anything that, like I said, probably wouldn't escape what I know mm-hmm. or what I've experienced. But it's just, yeah, right now, I believe the lesser of two evils is Cade. But mm-hmm. I still believe that, stand by my, you know, rationale that maybe we shouldn't talk to any of them individually. Mm-hmm. as per, you know, negotiating a contract. Mathematic. And it's interesting seeing this perspective from your two characters, especially since um, Oriana, especially, is very emotionally invested in all these twisty-turny political things because, you know, it's her life as well. Mm-hmm. And these are people she knows personally, um, or at least a few of them are. 
Yeah, interesting. Um, cool beans. So you guys were captured by somebody and uh, woke up in a smokestack, then received absolutely murder, a time challenge. Talk to me about the gas chamber. Um, I just think it's kind of, it's just spot on that Baltine's first initial reaction was like, all right, I got all these things. Let me go mess Let's with go. this like bow yeah. thing. I need to figure out this thing to save everybody. It's it's good. Instead of like his first instinct should have been probably like, I'm out. Untie my I mean, tie Perry, you know, Oriana. I mean, like, his okay, approach absolutely worked. I, <laughs> I mean, I still yeah, it would have been greater if you just so much better if you got the first one right. Yeah. Just by pure <laughs> yeah. accident. Yeah, yeah. It would have been great. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, think that's just it's just this is responding of his his mindset of like it's almost nice in a way because he's he just immediately th thought his friends could get out by themselves. Mm -hmm. He don't necessarily they didn't necessarily need him. Um and I mean they did ultimately, but he was like, let me stop this thing that's like let me help yeah. in a better way to like stop this thing from killing us in immediate the immediate, you know, action. Cause he didn't know it's like Orion's, you know, might, you know, might have his greatest constitution as, you know, Cynric or uh me or you know what's our you know so i was like oh let me try to turn this thing off before like he's more of a he's like let's do this like he's like the jump on the grenade guy yeah makes sense yeah i mean i i like the fact that it was timed because it forced us into making decisions as opposed mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. talking about puzzles as right. that's kind of been something that we've been guilty of uh where we would take you know physically an hour two hours to solve a puzzle because we're talking about it and can't decide push the left button or the right button yeah and you so did I, I, I think you solved it in like six minutes yeah so. it, i i hope that acts as a confidence booster to all of us mm -hmm. to realize that hey you know what maybe we should trust what we're thinking and go with it yeah just follow those instincts and twiddle some levers, see what happens. It'll probably work out. Um, so you you all discussed this in character a little bit, but who do you think kidnapped you? I mean, I think we kind of know it's a strangled vine, but we don't, I don't necessarily, we don't know who, like who who it was necessarily. I'm pretty sure, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we're pretty positive it was a strangled vine that the organization that kidnapped us. I'm um, still leaning more towards it's the cult and not necessarily the vine. I'm thinking it might be some rogue members of the vine, mm -hmm. but not the vine as a whole. I think, I don't think the cult knows anything about us, honestly. We've not, we've not intercepted them. We've kind of always been like a step behind them. I feel like the cult, unless they've like dying information now, now of us, but I don't think they know anything about us necessarily. And now we're right on their heels as far yeah. as being in the same city as they are. So I mean, yeah, I, I think they're using rogue members of the vine to their own, you know, their That's own possible. end. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I don't think it's the organization as a whole, but definitely involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing um, I was wondering, or one thing that I was thinking read this was that um, during you guys kind of described like the strangled vine, or somebody described it as kind of like the CIA, and. I don't know, the, the factory did not seem like a black site. So I think that makes that makes me think that Cynric might be right, that it's cult members rather than the official strangled vine. But that's just me speculating. 
Yeah, to me, that just makes more sense that it's not the whole organization corrupt, but maybe like, you know, a member at the top and like mm -hmm. the people under them. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm basing it on. It's kind of weird to have an entire agency that is out for this whole purpose, unless that entire agency is under someone that's corrupt. Which well, is a possibility. Be. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. 100%. I mean, to me, it just seems strange that if if this was the or if if this was anyone else besides Stringvine, they mm -hmm. if they had a, a problem with us, why not just kill us once they got to the factory? You know what I mean? They kind of made like a whole like pomp and circumstance about it, you know what I mean? So like sort of to like back back make us back off like we can do this to you whenever we want to type of thing. Like we have influence. We could basically drug you while you're in public and sort of like do this whole like song and dance of like back off or we will commit next time sort of deal. Um, and mm -hmm. that kind of, that just kind of brings to like a warning of like, we don't have to do this, but we can if we want to type of thing. And I don't necessarily know if a cult of like the undead would like necessarily have that sort of maneuverment about them so you think the cult would have just like slit your throats while you're unconscious yeah yeah and see that that's where i say they would you know use rogue members of the vine because those rogue members would still be represented by that organization they would still have access to that but it wouldn't be the vine as a whole that's making that call um the cult basically saying hey this is a warning get out of town we don't want to invest the resources to deal with you but we will if we have to if, oh god no go ahead <laughs> I, I i was gonna say if that's indeed what it is got you what do you think about the um the theory that was floated that that might have been a test of some kind i like it i don't think the i think i think warning is more of a better yeah mm -hmm. i think it was more of a warning than a test i don't like sure maybe it could have been a test um but then that comes into question for who and for what you know what i mean um, I think it was more of a warning of um, stay out of our stay out of our pie mm. and be the good little boys and girls and just walk around and do your little hero stuff. Yeah, do your little hero stuff, but not near us. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's realistically the um, the logically you know, the logical mm. choice. I like the theory that it was a test as far as like Oriana and who she's after because mm. it just as a fun story to tell at that point um but yeah i i, I agree it, logically it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for it to be a test yeah and i tend to think that the reason it was a puzzle was because it's dnd <laughs> just meta <laughs> you know it has to be um but like what about um because there was there was that theory flowed that it was a test do you think that oriana's like old mentor is involved heavily in all of this or at no. all no i don't I even think, think he's all. anywhere no. near the city i think mm. he's long gone i if just anything, if anything maybe he's involved with the cult so he's like adjacently evolved maybe uh -huh. but i don't i don't think so i don't think he's involved in any of this necessarily um interesting yeah based on what was described, he seems to be the kind of person that is uh, contracted to the highest bidder. Right. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, once he bounced, he uh, 
he bounced. Went from some, you know, went to somewhere that, you know, necessarily the laws of that nation can't reach or might not necessarily be on friendly terms with and, you know, sold some stuff. So I'm thinking he's probably either back in like Dash or, you know, Sunshield at this point. Someplace that won't extradite. That makes sense. You know, some um, profiteering going on there. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, so after you guys escaped that death trap, whatever it was and whatever the meaning of it was, you snuck around the factory a little bit, um, but ended up getting caught before you could really find any clues. Um, I was I was really surprised that Baltane did not take the opportunity to smash through that window in the office. That seemed like something that would appeal to him. Um, he saw through the window and saw there was nothing in there of importance. So he kind of figured if Orion just made a loud ass sound, if we do get caught, I don't want to look like we're breaking in. They can't, so if there's no broken window or there's no like stuff on us, they can't say, we have evidence you were stealing. There was like, why were you in the factory? Like they, we broke in maybe, but then the, the question comes, how did you break into to the factory without breaking the front? lock but not the second lock so now there's more questionable like mm. reasonable doubt like maybe they were trapped in there how but like why like the question still asks like, why did you see the front door sure but it's like how did you get in the front door front door without unlocking it but you had to unlock this factory door so just it's less of a conspicuous thing on us that's like we didn't break anything we didn't steal anything we were just we were we could more easily pass off that we were confused we mm. just woke up unconscious and we were in this factory we're trying to look for our stuff make that more believable um he i considered the the unopened one but i had like looked into the other the one that was open mm -hmm. and saw nothing was in there so i was like there's probably nothing in any of these offices uh so he kind of didn't do it and kind of everything else kind of happened before he could like make that decision but he kind of was like there's a low chance that something's going to be in any of these offices mm -hmm. yeah i suppose Paper like products Paper products, or maybe yeah. the name of the company, yeah. or Baltimore's not interested in pens. And <laughs> He's like, I don't like care where we are. <laughs> uh, did you ever find out like who owned that factory? Mm, I don't think we did. Oh. It's like a steel mill or something like that. Yeah, that's about yeah. all we know. Yeah, I suppose it's something you can worry about later. Um, do do do. And it kind of ended up not mattering anyway, because, you know, right. Lex in to get you guys out of trouble. Um, cool beans. So, um, Sinbert seemed very sure that someone was planning to level the whole city. Um, why did he think that was the plan specifically? Um, well, I mean, as far as an act of war, it's like, what, what better way to rally your troops than to make it look as if, you know, your enemy attacked you? So he thinks it's yeah. an inside job that they want to. I mean, that, that just seems reasonable that, you know, someone would pay to have, you know, a travesty struck upon them and blame it on mm -hmm. the enemy. The, I mean, the, oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just say, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Exactly, yeah. It, it's one of those where, like, it, it just makes sense to you're stuck in this war of attrition where neither mm -hmm. of you are gaining the upper hand. Um, what better way to motivate and rally, you know, to kind of bolster those numbers and bolster your forces and to give yourself that kind of moral higher ground than if, you know, your enemy destroyed your shining beacon of glory. 
The only I agree with Cynric, by the way. Both teams agree with Cynric that that is the long game. Uh, I don't agree that I, I think it. The only thing that is like pausing me is like a trail doesn't really need a reason or any like bolstering to like keep going to war. They're like that's their whole like mindset of like we make the like they have like their Doctor Doom mindset. The world would be better if we were in charge and could help navigate the chaos of the world by adding what we know and like helping involve our culture and involving other cultures in ours and like making the world unified. So they're kind of work like their they're like war plans are like already they're all at war of everyone. So they don't really need to like go to war or like kind of keep like, yeah, let's keep going to war. And they also don't need like a common enemy because they everyone is basically their enemy. Uh I think that is the long goal is to like just to raid the city. I think it's more for more numbers for the undying cult though and i mean that that does make a hundred percent sense um i mean the the way i'm seeing it based on what i you know have seen and heard in game is they're mm-hmm. not doing like it's not like they're making huge advancements no, yeah, they're not making huge, yeah, on strides. any of their fronts and the you know the one person they are focusing on attacking is simply because that's you know an attack of opportunity that that's a target of opportunity for them but on yeah, the but, other fronts they either can't afford to make right. the footing or they're literally mm-hmm. holding at a standstill so i mean if they present themselves to you know as the victim they increase morale for their own troops to push for more you know effort and they could even attract allies to their cause against some of their bigger targets um that are necessarily more neutral to their stance because we we do know of i believe two places right now that are neutral to their stances and they don't want to be involved interesting interesting theory it's all very geopolitical um so how oh sorry i I was gonna say yeah the uh the undead thing is um way more scary and probably what's gonna Mm -hmm. happen though (laughs) yeah yeah i was about to say like how does all this tie into the exploding corpses which you know were being delivered to river wren yeah but were they yeah well they're not corpses yet soon to be soon to be uh walking is kind of another reason why walking is like guys there's why are we trying to figure out what's like Uh the right thing or like the moral code of it like this place is kind of moralist like there are morals in like, sure, like from good and bad but like mm-hmm. even like the the trillion like nature of like let's be unified by causing wars kind of like a moral like gray ground already to start with at a base like i think it's bad um, yeah <laughs> so it's like like the idea of like let's be one unified you know country that's like mm-hmm. sure but that's also kind of like that like nationalism like sort of thing and so it's like kind of like it gets weird at that point um so it's like why are we trying to figure out what's best for a trail because the trail is not even like that great of a place to be honest mm-hmm. that's like and all all the countries have their problems like sunshield they hunt ma- like natives for no like no real reason like i understand their understanding of like magic is chaos let's try to I mean, order like make order of that but that's still also kind of like that's kind of a bad thing too, but it's like, mm-hmm. why are we trying to do what's best for this one country? Like, let's just try to figure out what's best for us mm-hmm. and then solve the thing that's like best for the world because, you know, undying army. Sounds bad. In hands and <laughs> yeah. yeah, Vecna seems bad. And see, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you 100%. 
Um, where I do disagree with you is I think siding with Cade might be the best overall circumstance for us going forward in the future as yeah. far as you know his vision of unity. Um, while it might not be a good thing, if we need a lot of numbers really fast to say, you know, fight an undead army, well, if we have someone who believes in unity, then, yeah. you know, maybe there's a way to rally that to our side. Yeah. But at the same time, if a trill is picking so many fights with other countries, will people rally to their banner? Because you need more than one army, probably. I think... Well, I th that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I think um, there are certain things like like um like independent states come to mind like if there's like aliens attacking or like there's something disturbing causing disturbance on your world it kind of trumps any like geopolitical games you kind of have at that point well, it, it should didn't. it should it should but in, in the fantasy world it does right <laughs> it should <laughs> normally but i have a hard time believing somewhere like you know sunshield would you know come out of their whole to help with something like that considering mm -hmm. the forces at play that would be causing that um i'm pretty sure that would just cause them to hunker down and turtle up based on where they're at whereas someone like cade um would have more gumption to take on something like that head on and lead a charge against it and, and that's mm -hmm. kind of where i'm putting my eggs so to speak. Interesting. So you're lining up allies for the future. Yep. Potentially, because I mean, yeah. It, the, what is it? The uh, the Lord of Darkness. He, he's not alone. He's not by yeah. himself. I mean, he's bound to have friends. He's bound to have subordinates, and there's going to be more than six of them. <laughs> little darkness buddies. So it's a little dark day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, uh -huh. if if it comes worse to worse, I mean us six against you know the darkness mm -hmm. or an entire army and us six against the darkness um every little bit helps yeah you guys are the main characters though you will need allies probably for the final battle um okay so before we move on you guys had a kind of rough encounter in the sewers um i think just about everyone went down at least once breathed some sewer water campion died for a little bit um so tell me about this combat oh god <laughs> I, I mean it wasn't as bad as it was um what made it really rough is that you know there there was a failed stealth check yeah so it, it, well, it wasn't was, even failed, it was that we were, it was awkward resisting. Yeah, I mean, we, we got seen. Um, I, I think it would have been a little bit better had we, instead of stayed as a group, just let like, you know, one or two people go on ahead to scout mm -hmm. the area out and maybe picked battles on a smaller scale, as opposed to everyone just staying as, you know, a clumped up group in line of sight. Yeah, it... it... Um, it was it was hard, especially because we we're a party of low perception, <laughs> uh, low perception and also low stealth. So like stealth missions are really bad for us. Uh, Speak for yourself on stealth. Well, yeah, well I'm saying like <laughs> as a whole, as a whole, like Perry is good at perception and like Sinrig is good at stealth. Like we have like two people that can do like half of each thing. So it's like we're kind of like if we if we get to jump on someone. 
it's it's good because then we can sort of like see everything going on and we can hit hard. But if we get ambushed, it's just sort of like where are we getting hit from? Oh, Campion's dead. Oh, <laughs> I'm in the water. Oh God, what's going on? It was like it is kind of a chaos and it's like more scrambling of like who who can get up who how do we hit back in a way that works mm-hmm. because it's like especially for rogues because rogues are so good at skirmish attacks you just hit hide and then run and yeah hit all again. that and all so, that sneak attack you guys were getting hit yeah. with now, I, I will say you know from a tactical point of view everyone just kind of like clumped up in that main hallway and yeah. i mean you all like painted target saying hit me when we had you know a couple hallways there that we could have branched down and actually you know potentially had better cover um so i mean maybe that's the takeaway is better using our surroundings and not being able to be as picked off so to speak Uh, the only problem i would say with that is like and like that we didn't have like the ability to like we didn't like wasn't able to showcase like we're kind of other than cinerake we're kind of like low mobility too. Like we're kind of like in a in a in a like a, a like a narrow hallway to start off anyway. We're kind of like just sitting fish in a barrel anyway. So like getting out 30 feet was kind of like ba- barely getting to that second hallway even even then. So it was kind of kind of hard because we can't really maneuver that fast to like get to spread out as quickly as we want to because we're all kind of like normal to average speed besides like Cinric. Well, I mean, the only reason I got as far as I did was because I dashed that turn. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's one of those where sometimes being in a different position is better than, you know, Attacking, holding yeah, an attack. True. Um, it, not to critique anything, because I'm not trying to do no, that. That's true. At least that's not my intention. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it was a difficult encounter, and we handled it as best we could. Uh, but there's room for us to grow based on, you know, that encounter alone. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that, that was kind of my point there. I'll need some monks or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, have it was one. fun. Oh, ripped Dobby. <laughs> I mean, I, I still feel a little bit jaded. I got my kill stolen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to kill someone so badly in that fight. <laughs> I want to do something cool, but yeah, it's all right. But. I mean, you know, it was one of those I was kind of hoping the guy would try to run away from me and hide um, mm-hmm. because that would at least push him further back into the hallway. And, you know, that that's a form of control in itself as well. If they can be pushed back and positioned, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can control that as well on a battlefield as to, you know, where they're going, where they're going to come from. So, it, you know, that's something to consider as well. And I made the mistake of running where I did. And then when I saw what was there, it was like, ah, crap, I shouldn't have gone here. <laughs> Oh no. Too late now. Oh, but that wasn't me. yeah, it wasn't a bad play because I painted mm-hmm. a target on myself instead of you guys. And I mean, quite frankly, I can take more hits than you guys. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a bad play overall. Me going yeah. down is, you know, better than say like Oriana or Perry or Quinn. Yeah. Go down yeah. <laughs> uh, but you all made it out in the end, so it's fine. Um, I think that I think this um, talk of battlefield strategy is actually a good segue into our topic for today, um, which is math 
and improv. Um, so we're talking about today the most basic tense of D&D, which, you know, the fundamental principles upon which everything else plays, which is math and improv. Um, specifically, we're talking more about taking like a more mechanical approach to D&D versus a more role play approach. Um, so first off, do you two consider yourselves a more mechanics based player or a more role play based player? It has to depend on the circumstance, in all honesty. Mm. Um, I, I realize it's a vague as hell answer, but <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of those where if you look at, say, like an assassination mission and you have a rogue that, you know, tries to assassinate someone in your group and even using us, for example, where mm. level nine, I have 101 health. Um, it's pretty hard for even an assassin rogue to do 202 damage in one hit. To yeah. physically kill me outright. That's pretty hard. We're in, whereas in reality, if I'm sleeping and have my throat slit, I'm probably going to die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it has to depend on the circumstance. And, and granted, that's a bit of an extreme example, but mm -hmm. you know, it, it has to depend on that circumstance. And even players have to kind of have that trust in their DM to propel that narrative forward. Whereas, say, like, you know, oh, there was an assassination. Okay, but how much damage did that rogue have to do to outright kill someone? That just doesn't make a sense. Lot. They did a yeah. Lot. So it, <laughs> it's one of those, it. It, exactly. It, it's just one of those weird kind of dynamics where it's like in combat, maybe we focus on damage and number, mm -hmm. but when we're role playing story, maybe we tuck away that bit of information to its happy little corner and roll with it for the sake of the story. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, I'm gonna give the other cop-up answer. Um, I think <laughs> I think I use, I think I'm more technical, mechanical, but I use my like mechanical knowledge to like judge what I do imp like improvising and role-playing wise mm -hmm. um, in a sense of like, I might like, I might know that like, like Sim said, I might know that like, realistically i have like a whatever and strength or whatever and blah blah blah. so i'm like oh i have a crazy idea and i think i think i, I relatively like as small team i'm like i i'm usually the ones like guys I have a crazy idea hear me out <laughs> listen to me here <laughs> and but i think i usually i'm like i think to myself before i do i'm like will this mechanically work and if not <laughs> is it like in a gray area where like if I argue it well enough or if I, like, I give it well enough like reasoning for it, will like the DM like, you know, that's cool. Let's try it. Let's see. Let's mm -hmm. let's, let's let me see you roll to see if it can work. And then like that's all you really need the chance. Um, so I think I use more. I think I use my, my technical skills of D&D and like mechanics knowledge to like judge and influence what I do improvising wise. Yeah, I kind of also also have a sort of cop-out answer to my own question. Um, generally, I think of myself as a pretty role-play-based character just because I like acting um, and like being weird and pretending to be like a weird witch or something. Um, but I noticed that as I got like more familiar with the system, as I've been playing D&D for more and more years, I get more interested in making mechanically complex characters because that becomes fun once you really understand the rules of the game. You can be like, oh, here I can line all these things up in a combat. It's really satisfying to have like six things you can do in, in one round of combat. You're just like, this is amazing. <laughs> Delicious. Ugh. You mean like um, creating the assassin gloomstalker rogue that can do like yeah. two thousand damage in one yeah. hit if they're not seen? I'm like, 
it's really satisfying. Uh, it's like, I don't want to be a power gamer, but you know, the rush, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lordy. Um, so like in that vein, do you guys enjoy the mechanics of D&D? I enjoy the possibilities of creating something powerful, absolutely. I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people that do game, whether it be tabletop or video game, enjoy that feeling of playing a character that's super powerful and is capable of having those moments that, you know, like, well, I guess that badass moment where, you know, they're they're the one, you know, on the battlefield, they're the one that's, you know, front and center and the spotlight's on them. So yeah, I, I would definitely say I enjoy that that capability and be able to do that. But sometimes that's not the only thing to work towards toward, you know, when playing a game because that's one moment. What about the other 99% of moments yeah. where it's not going to be that way? Yeah, I, I think we're all human. We all like to see how much numbers we can pump out. Like, that's just, like, the most satisfying thing. You're like, number, 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 number. Like, tell me oh, what nice. number I just hit. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, honestly. But, um, and I think that probably is, like, became, like, as, like, surely uh, became, like, my favorite, like, just character theory, crafting theory, mm-hmm. like, making, like, if I put this class in this class, this kind of weird thing that doesn't normally work, like rogue cleric doesn't really work, but like if I do grave cleric and I get like vulnerability, I can like sneak attack and double vulnerability, like dump double it and like, it's just crazy numbers. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. I like that. So like that, but then like Cedric said, uh, or like Tick said, uh, that's just combat really. So it's like, it's cool that your grave cleric rogue can do like 300 damage if you like, use all your things but then it's like well what if you need to talk to this person <laughs> what do you do then it's like yeah. oh well can i kill him <laughs> it's like well yeah <laughs> sure but like you didn't really accomplish what you're doing you know so it's like you kind of like have to like round yourself out and like sort of like take that mindset of like uh like sure the numbers are good and like you always mm-hmm. like and, it's, and, it, and it, it does suck obviously to just like not be able to do good in anything at all or not be able to be viable in combat at all honestly but like you have to like sort of kind of like like hold yourself back sometimes or at least for me uh, when like making a character because i don't like i like i don't want to like inadvertently mid-max in general either so it's like just kind of hold yourself back and like maybe like i'll for most people i'll usually take something that's i might take something that's not less optimal for like having a warlock play play mm-hmm. play black pack but like it's just more fun like to like just do like spider climb it's probably wasn't the best thing to, for me to pick at whatever level i was at it was like but it's really fun walk on walls yeah yeah <laughs> you might need me to walk on a wall and like climb up something so i'm like no one else yeah. can do it He's i might well take it it's kind of fun yeah i mean so it's I... kind of like those things like you kind of pick and choose like this is not like mechanically good or like not great like you know but it's like funny like or it fits the theme of my character so i'm like i'm gonna take it mm-hmm. yeah I mean, so I, I guess it's safe to say by that assumption that, you know, if, if you do want to, like, say, min-max and power game a character, it might be better off to do that for, say, like, a one-shot. Yeah, one-shot. Um, yeah. But anything that you plan on having, like, an RP element for, maybe that min-maxing should be kind of, like, put on the back burner yeah. as far as, like, a character that, um you know, you enjoy playing. Um, I guess something to consider, you know, along with those numbers and everything would be how characters progress as well because I mean every character is on a curve of power mm-hmm. um, as far as what they get when they get it and how useful they are within certain brackets of play so I mean that that's also something to consider as well 
if you're running a campaign of say, you know, like one to you know, level one to level five, and after level five, that's it, your campaign's over, you might consider maybe playing a moon druid because at those early levels, they're ridiculously OP and you don't have to invest much because, I mean, you turn into a brown bear and you're literally better than anything the game could throw at you save, you know, a juvenile dragon. Pro tip. Being so, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just using that as an example because mm -hmm. it, it's one of the easiest ones. But yeah, it, as far as understanding what you want to play and match that to the duration of the game that you want to play mm -hmm. as well. Because I mean, it, yeah, it's it's one of those where like even in this game, I, I've as far as damage output at level five, you know, it's I spike at damage at level five. And then I get a little bit more damage at level nine, and then that's it. Whereas like people get access to higher and higher spells in our group. Mm -hmm. And you know, by level 15, level 16, they're probably going to be doing a lot more damage than I could in a round, you know, regardless of circumstance. Um, so it's just a matter of understanding that growth and where your character is going to fit that mm -hmm. you're creating on that, you know, growth chart. Yeah, some classes, as you said, like peak a little bit earlier, some it's a slow burn, like wizards, yeah. the classic slow burn, like you start yeah. absolutely piddly, you turn into a god. Mage armor, protect me, please. And then by the time you're level four. Yeah. Or yeah. like, you know, going back to the moon druids where their curve is literally like this yeah. until they get to <laughs> level 20. So, I mean, it, it all depends on, you know, like what you want to do and, you know, where the story's taking you. Mm -hmm. or if it's in a one shot you know just do whatever you yeah, want to fun. yeah yeah, yeah one, sh one shots where you can do whatever weird shit you want exactly lovely um so i've heard it said that DD is putting kind of an increasing emphasis on role play versus mechanics in like each new edition do you think that's true were older editions more mechanically based um that's were... hard to say stricter towards numbers i mean yeah they had more like defined stricter rules um so i guess yeah actually yeah i mean by that definition yeah <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> had to think about it for a sec i'm gonna say no i i'm gonna i'm gonna just count you know contrarian point i'm gonna say no because it's weird because fiat 5e has a lot of things that they do where they put mechanics into like like niche things for some reason like it's kind of like um like they kind of wash it in between like you'll mm -hmm. like they'll have mechanics that your class or character or your subclass can do that are like not mechanically they don't really have like real mechanics like they'll have something like fun to it or like just be kind of like for role playing purposes um where like where like older editions is kind of like kind of like your numbers and your like what this thing does to this rule sort of like has like a, a like a set thing um and so it's kind of hard to judge 5e because there's also like the like the more better your numbers are the better your things do so it's like mm -hmm. it's sort of a weird place i would say i don't know there's there's like there's like a structured layer order for mechanics and like order editions but like 5e has just like weirdly like maneuvered like role-playing elements of like things into mechanics so like you like you there's like usually some rule like if you're like oh what something to this there's usually some role or like some like dm discretion so it's like kind of mm -hmm. open to interpretation of 5e um 
So it's kind of weird. I mean, speaking I of five, yeah. yeah. Speaking of five E, um, it, it, it's in this place where I, I don't want to say it's weird, like you, you know, like you were saying, but they either describe something in absolute certainty, right. so that there's no question about it when it comes right. to a mechanical ability, or when it comes to like say a class feature or something of that nature, they'll describe it in a vague way to deliberately give you freedom of you know interpretation when it comes to that particular ability. And then, you know, sometimes they might make like an errata to, you know, change yeah. that um, mm -hmm. or to, you know, reclassify that if it's having like different purposes for what was intended and is breaking game. Um, but yeah, for the most part, 5e really wants you to have the creativity of just like doing as much as what your imagination can without like deliberately breaking the game. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, 5e is definitely more friendly for role-playing at that point because it's just built into the rules. Interesting. Or I should um, say not built into the rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's built in by yeah. not being built in. Yeah. Yeah, the rules are more flexy perhaps yeah. in older yeah, editions. It, unless it's something that like physically needs a rule, in which case, Literally, it's written out in the book where it's like, mm -hmm. this is how it's intended to work. Now I want to agree with Pick. I don't know. I don't <laughs> even know what I said around. He's talked to you around. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what I said, I said earlier anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I no, agree. I, I, I agree and I don't agree. Yeah, Next, tomorrow, I'll Two minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I think it's just a natural evolution of the game, whereas, mm -hmm. you know, when it was created, it was, you know, something that was a little bit more strict to the rules and, you know, it, it just kind of evolved and got I don't yeah. want to say better, but changed over time, tried new things, tried new things. And here we are in 2021 with the current iteration of what mm -hmm. we have. And I, I think it's better than what we started. Um, does it have room for improvement? Sure. What doesn't? That's why we keep getting new additions. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've talked about before about how like older editions would just be like pure dungeon crawl, like the classic game where you'd have like a wad of characters because you go through like five um, in a game. Um, so I kind of want to talk about like those sort of like old fashioned dungeon crawl campaigns or, or even just dungeon crawl games because those are almost pure mechanics. It's all puzzles and combat. Have you ever done one of those and enjoyed it? Like, is that the kind of thing that you enjoy doing sometimes? or do you prefer the more like storytelling um like more role play focused type of games like serenity runs it can be fun if it's yeah. done in like the right environment i mean if you have three hours to kill and you know you, you know you're doing a dungeon crawl and that's it mm -hmm. um you know yeah it, it has the potential to be fun if you have you know the players that are working together and just you know having a blast with it uh I mean, that way you're not getting like too attached to a character and when they inevitably die to a bad role, it's not a situation of, mm -hmm. oh no, oh no, oh no, I'm heartbroken. It's, oh crap, that was funny. I, I got a bad role and that rock fell on my head. Like, oh, so, I mean, yeah, so it, it, it has its moments, it has its places. Yeah, it, yeah, it's sort of what your expectations are because like, you know, going into like a tomb or some crypt, you're kind of like, oh, I'm expecting, you know, this to be a mechanical, like traps, things like that. But like, you're like in like 
sneaking into a castle? Like, why is there a pitfall trap in the castle? Like, wouldn't someone just walk by this today? It's like, it's here because, yeah. like, it's got to be here. I need a, you know, mm-hmm. pit, a trap, and there's only a pit trap. So it's like, it's sort of like, uh, it's kind of like, sense. yeah, it kind of makes sense. It's like, oh, it's just there because it has to be there because I can't, like, let you just walk around the castle and then kill a kid mm-hmm. without, like, you know, all that, yep. like, this extra stuff. So it's like, hard. So, yeah, it's got to be hard. Uh, so it sounds like it's sort of what your expectations are set on. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, that is a good thing of 5e is just like to let you, because there's so many like different type of things you can sort of like weave into like uh, like a dungeon crawl. Like a dungeon mm-hmm. crawl doesn't necessarily have to be a tomb or something like that anymore. It could just be like, it'd be like raiding a house. Like there might be magical yeah. traps. This might be like a wizard. They might have like, you know, contingency spells somewhere. Like if you open this door, this happens or glyphs and stuff like that. So it's like, it's a little bit more like a dungeon crawl. It's like, like dungeon crawl has kind of like reinvented itself as like then like a dungeon crawl, but it's also like not like, it's not the same face of like a tomb dungeon type of thing. Yeah, there's a series variety. of encounters to test yeah. your endurance. Yeah. yeah, it's like the anti-meta yeah. dungeon crawl. So, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's one of those where, like, I mean, um, when you go into, say, a dungeon crawl, I think one of the funner things is if it's, a, like, a one-shot for a dungeon crawl, you can literally focus on building a character to handle that dungeon crawl. Mm-hmm. Whereas, say, you know, like, our campaign, if we get ready to go on a dungeon crawl, we literally err on the side of caution and buy all sorts of supplies that we need and, you know, literally think about it entirely different because our intention is to survive as opposed to, you know, if we're playing a one shot, our intention is to beat the crap out of the dungeon and who cares if we make it out. I mean, ideally it would be great if they make it out, but you know, yeah, exactly. You know, if you die and you roll up a new character, that's not the end of the world. Yeah, you die in the middle. Your new character like bursts out and right. like, I'm, I'm here Jed. now. I'm Jed, Fred's brother. I was also exactly. too. Oh, you twin know, there brother. Was, there was this really funny idea that I saw somewhere. I think it was on Twitter where someone was like, if you have um, if you have a Warforged character and they die, your next character should be a gnome and it just like bursts out the Warforged chest. <laughs> <laughs> he was piloting him the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! I'm here now. Unfortunately, my, my mech suit doesn't work anymore. Um, that would actually be funny. That'd be really dead. War Forge on the ground. <laughs> guys, oh. guys, hello. <laughs> you let me out. <laughs> Help. Oh, wonderful. Um, so I think like we're all sort of balanced. I think, um, but there are some players who like really, really enjoy mechanics above everything else, and there are some players who like really, really enjoy role play above everything else. Do you think more mechanics interested players and more role play interested players can play at the same table and have fun? Um, it depends on the DM. If the DM understands that you're not, you can't run the campaign fully one way or the other. Um, it depends and also depends on the player understands that just because I like numbers and I like all this you know how much damage can I do the game can't purely be how much damage and how much numbers how good roll stats can I do um, if they understand that there's going to be points where you talk and you know you have to like talk to people there can't just be a fight every like you know session I mean there might be a fight every session but it can't be like this you know every combat we have a combat we got a combat we have another combat you know it's going to have to understand that like there's gonna be 
other things going on because like otherwise you should be looking if that's sort of like your what you want to play you should be looking for like a combat game, game. That. yeah yeah. Um, so if you understand that those are the, the expectations that are going to be set that yeah I'm going to like hey I'm going to try to do something for you but not everything's going to be for you you know it's going to be some things that you you know enjoy and some things you might not not enjoy but you know be open to them and you might appreciate it more even though you don't necessarily enjoy it and the kind of same for vice versa they're not, not there's not going to be a session there might be a session where there's all talking and all like role playing but there might just be a session where because you know, combat runs long, it might be a concession where it's just literally all combat, and you kind of mm-hmm. have to be okay, understand, like, hey, I'm going to have to understand that there's people in the game that like mechanics, rolling dice, all this stuff, and you can't just, like, talk to everyone and, like, drag on the store because you want to talk to everyone, like, mm-hmm. talk to the, the farmer, the farmer's cow, the farmer's dog, like, you can't do all that. Farmer's cow. You know, yeah. Like, My cow. Understand that and kind of set your expectations for what the group is going to be doing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that was well said. It's it's one of those where um, you, you hit one of the bigger points. Um, combat takes a really long time to resolve everything. And it's one of those where what I've noticed is a lot of players don't like to preemptively decide what they're going to do. They like mm-hmm. to decide yeah. when it's their turn. Um, and, and that leads to combat really taking a long time. So yeah, it's one of those where you have, for me, combat is fun, but too much combat gets really boring because it's mm-hmm. like you make a turn and then you're waiting for 20 minutes to make a turn and then you wait another 20 minutes. So, I mean, yeah, it's one of those situations where that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, but if that's all your game is and that's not what your expectation is going into the game yeah that's gonna be same it's the vice it's you know kind of like the same argument when it comes to role play i mean if you're making a game where all you want to do is go in and punch stuff and fight stuff and break stuff and all your group does is role play you know it it might be it could be more probably yeah whereas you you know you might get some satisfaction out of resolving a combat situation without using combat i mean sometimes those are just as equally a fun situation as opposed to you know bashing someone's head in or you know throwing a mug at someone and starting a bar mm-hmm. fight and and i will say uh because certain brought up a good point like um a lot of people don't like and i sometimes like i know i'm i i think i relatively i don't take too long but like I usually am thinking of what's going on but like usually when it comes to my turn I'm trying to reassess like because something might happen in the combat Mm -hmm. um but if you're if you're not used to that or you're not um that skilled at like making decisions on the fly and like um readjusting your plans really quickly playing a class that's sort of really complicated like a wizard or cleric Mm -hmm. stuff like that that have like a lot of spells you kind of have to decide what to do now that the like every every move every character's turn the battle reassesses itself so like playing like a barb or like a fighter you kind of only have like a few limited options anyway so you're like you might have to rethink like oh do i attack this person or this person but like really your ultimate goal is just going to be like attack you know three to four times or whatever two to four times and sort of then movement so it's like if if you're gonna if you understand that you're not really that kind of person that kind of that takes a long time or doesn't really want to do a lot of mechanical stuff 
simple classes like fighters or monks or you know barbarians. I would say like fighters and monks can get really complicated though. Well, they can be, but I mean like there's Depending like on their, yeah. champion fighter with like you really only just you know roll four attacks, crit yeah. you crit you know lower. So it's like you that's really all what you need to do or like you know regular totem barbarian barbarian you like you attack things you take damage so it's like mm -hmm. you don't really have to think and process a lot you just like all right that's the person close to me attack and then like then you can like ease combat faster and then get to more of the thing that you want to do if you want to like role play and stuff like that too cool um so as dms do you guys tend to tend to run like more crunchy number games or more story-based games or do you try to keep a balance of it as I get older, story games are more fun. Yeah, I think I think I, I enjoy I enjoy playing in more role play games. Um, but I think I try to when I DM set mechanics, um, but I don't disallow like things to be overruled by the mechanics. You know what I mean? Like if you have a, huh. a neat idea, I won't just like. No, the rule book says this. I can't mm -hmm. let you do this. If it makes sense and it's like, oh, I want to try to do this, I will be like, oh, you know what? I didn't think about that. That's an interesting like solution that could happen. So yeah, let's see what happens. Um, but I like to just get that base of like the so everyone like that understands can like be sure where I'm gonna be at, and so they won't be like, oh, well, why does this spell do this this time and not do this this that this other time sort of thing. Um, so I think I like to like lean to the side of like what does like the mechanics say, but I mean I won't like just like hard no anything, you know. What I mean I won't say just no to everything. Rule of cool, as it were. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, I, as I was younger, I definitely liked the more um, kind of like mechanic-based thing because mm -hmm. you know that that was that inner rules layer, and I know most of the people here probably guessed that about me at some point is but it's been like tapered down as I got older and you know now it's more about like just you know going with whatever the story direction goes and sometimes you just have to ignore or uh, rule against a mechanic because it doesn't make any sense in that particular moment um, you can always yeah. go back and readjust you know to that rule at a later time but you know what if it creates a fun story and it's not that, you know, insane or asinine of a thing, let's roll with it. It's fun. Right. At the end of the day, we're here to have fun. Perfect close, because that's our time for tonight. Um, thank you guys for joining me on this wonderful Tuesday evening. And thank you to the viewers for tuning in once again. Make sure to tune in on Friday for the next exciting, exciting episode of Roll for Damage. We've got some things we would love you to check out. Um, on that list of things is our store. We've got mugs, is our Patreon. We've got other cool stuff that you can pay money for, but you have to give some money. Otherwise, you won't know what that stuff is. Um, ooh, yeah, we've got a mug right there there gorgeous absolutely beautiful um check out our youtube we've got all of our backlog of all the episodes for this show and um and roll for damage on there Check our twitch we've got some little clippies up there as well as on um, the most recent episodes check out our discord we post so many memes there and we love to talk to the fans um we need more we need more come talk to us we're lonely we're so lonely um Wonderful. Thank you to Sunbird and Lady Meows for doing our um, title card and our music. They're great. 
the tarot cards, great music, great. We love it. Um, stick around for links and charities and the, all the normal stuff. You know the drill by now. And thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great night. Good night. And subscribe to our YouTube. Subscribe to all of our stuff, please. <laughs> <laughs>